Welcome to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG SCK80. Once again, SCK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com for more information and for all about articles, politics, culture, entertainment, things along those lines. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, as well as uh, other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War or Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, and that iHeartRadio app on all your uh, podcast uh, platforms. Just type in a search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's on YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. And I have a surprise for many of you, those that listen exclusively. As we politely take our bow and give our kisses, thank you in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes. And uh, for those of you listening exclusively on our uh, podcast only, uh, you can tune into uh, our uh, Go Find This episode at War Media on YouTube. Uh, for those of you watching right now on YouTube, yours truly has a new toy to play with. I feel professional now as a broadcaster <laughs> with a little, little uh, I'm not going to say cordless mic, but a microphone in the headsets. As Lakina said earlier, I am the black Chuck Swarski. Pretty much, yeah. That's pretty much what you are. Yes, baby onions. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for you to get one, Lakina. <laughs> I will, I will. Look, I'll, I'll, look, I've been pricing them. I'll, I'll definitely maybe hopefully get some eventually. So we got a lot to get to today, Sid. So let's start with, you know, with yes. some Bulls and some NBA. They're done for until like late next week, you know, the Bulls are able to squeak out a win against the Pelicans on Wednesday. Okay, you can say that maybe they should have lost that game, but they were able to hang on. Um, you know, they're 16 to 18 on the season. They're 10th in the East, so they're kind of like right in that play in, you know, turn, play in, play off, you know, in the East. But I, what grade would you give you know, the Bulls so far, you know, as we get into the you know, middle of the season? I would give them a C plus B minus only because we expected some improvement, but did you really expect them to be right in the thick of the playoff race at the now all-star break? Call me crazy, but I didn't. I expected them to be competitive, but I didn't think they would be this good in terms of being so many games out of the fourth spot, a couple of games out of the sixth spot. They hanging around seventh and eighth and ninth, which we pretty much expected if things went well, but uh, again, we'll get into this more in our next segment with our Bulls NBA Power Hour. But uh, with all the injuries, and a little bit of COVID issues that this team has gone through, especially early in the season, of course, you have a new head coach in Billy Donovan. Uh, this team has uh, served pretty well. Of course, this team is not a championship team. They're not a perfect team by no means. They still have work to do. This season was about player development. Who's going to stay here for the long, long haul? who's going to be traded off the pieces potentially. Like I said, we'll get into the, the, all these matters deeper later on in the show. But uh, you had to give a Bulls uh, better than above average pass a grade. My grade would be, be uh, between C plus and B minus. I give them a solid B, you know, 
That gives us all a B, you know, C plus, I think, because, look, were there some losses where you say to yourself, okay, what the heck, why, why, why? Mm -hmm. But look, you know what, this team, this team's learning how to walk. You know, they're trying, they're, you know, they're learning how to play together, you know, being a, a cohesive unit. You know, we want more mm -hmm. consistency, especially since, you know, the last, the next part of their schedule, it's going to be very tough. You know, they got to play, mm -hmm. they got to play the 76ers right off the, right off the bat on Thursday of next week. So that's going to mm -hmm. be a big test for them. Look, you're exactly being showing you why that maybe he was worth a top top five pick a few years ago. Look, Kobe, look, I'm not going to give up on Kobe. You know, he's playing out of position. You look at, you know, Thaddeus Young, who's been sort of like the stalwart of this team. You know, it, it, I, I, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to be going anywhere, folks. You, know, you thought that maybe we're going to use him as a trade piece. But since they're right there in ninth place, you know, for, for you know, right off, you know, right there, like I said, you know, for that play-in in the playoffs, you know, I don't think he's going anywhere either. So Garrett Temple, you know, is becoming that, also that senior leader, you know, for this team. Look, Wendell Carter Jr., you know, he's been up and down. But, you know, he's starting to kind of get back into a groove. We'll see if he can – Keep he can keep it going. I mean, look, this look, Denzel Valentine. Yes, he could be like a he could be a pain in your in your side sometimes. <laughs> but you know what? Look, you know, he's made some big shots. I mean, look, I mean, the, the, look, at the Sadaransky, he's been really good. You know, you know, based on big some key shots. You know, in the last game against the Pelicans. I mean, there, there's just you know, P will. I would talk about Patrick Williams. Yet. I mean, he's I think he's he's showing you why he was the sixth man of the year last year in the ACC when he was at Florida State. So just so many, look, just just so many, you know, pluses here. And you know, yes, there yes, there's still some questions. You know, yes, you know, Laurie, you know, when he when he comes back, how is he going to look? Or Otto Porter Jr. When they when either one either or both of them come back, how are they going to look? You know, when they do come back, how is his team going to look? I hate to say it, but this team actually looks better without Lowry. I hate say, I look, I hate saying that, but I don't know how you feel about that, Sid, but you know, tell tell everyone what you think. <laughs> In terms of Lowry marketing, uh I, I <laughs> You're perplexed. This is it. not yeah, this is not personal, but this team could do without him in the long run. I know he's a restricted free agent at season's end, but uh, if they if if some team want to try to overpay him, the Bulls decide not to match. I'm cool with it. It's nothing personal, but he's been injured uh, half the time he's been here, and uh, uh, and then I know some people question his toughness. You you be you could um, go both ways with that. It's kind of, it's you going into uh, um, murky lines there. Question someone's toughness. So I'm not saying it's fair or unfair. That's for you to decide. But for me, I'm basing it on he's been injured too much. When he's healthy, he's good. But can I depend on you for the long run if you're going to keep getting injured like this? For me, the answer is no. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sid. I mean, I, I know that they decided not to talk contract, but – I'm thinking that maybe, look, we don't know what our tourists, you know, Karnish and Mark Eversley, you don't know what they're thinking, which is probably a good thing because I don't want to know what they're thinking. Look, I just want them to evaluate. Look, these guys know what they're doing. Look, I'm sure, look, we saw their game against Denver a couple of, you know, a few days ago. Look, Nikola Jokic just just hammered <laughs> Widow Carter Jr. I mean, I, oh, good grief. I mean, another 50 point for him. I, I think this team is going to be built very similar to how the Nuggets look. Again, will some of these guys still be around next season? You know, again, that's a, that's another topic for another episode. But 
if you're a Bulls fan, you got to be feeling pretty good. We'll ask our panel in our next segment. But right now, you got to be feeling pretty good. Look, I had no expectations coming. Look, I just want them you know, to be confident and conf- competent and confident. And that's what we're getting so far from them. Yeah, I remember when we did our preview show back in December prior to the season tipping off. I, I think I believe I said that this team had a shot to uh, get into the playing game. And they still do right now. But if they don't make it as a fan, should you be disappointed? Yes, because the Bulls are right there. Like I said before, they're not a championship team. They're not a consistent playoff team yet because this team hasn't played in a playoff game yet. So uh, should Bulls fans be disappointed if they don't make the playing tournament slash playoffs this year? Yes, because we've seen growth from uh, some of these guys like Kobe White and Zach Levine. Patrick Williams, uh, I think, is having a good year, but – um, I was I was with you, Lakina. I, I expected some improvement from some key guys. I didn't think this team would be as close to fine partners as, as they are now, but I expected them to be competitive because of new head coach Billy Donovan. And I know Billy Donovan was disappointed, especially as you mentioned that game uh, this past Monday here against Denver, which you you could have stole that game, but uh, it it didn't it, it didn't happen in your favor. And I'll get to the New Orleans game from Wednesday in just a second, but. You can see Billy Donovan is implementing his plan for these guys. And when he says that he's disappointed in certain guys or as a team overall, he means it. It's not just uh, hearsay. Oh, no, look, he's, look, we, we've seen him when he was at, he was coaching at Florida when he coached, you know, Joe Kim Noah and, you know, and those mm-hmm. guys. I mean, look, he's been, he's about as transparent of a coach as you're going to get from him. Look, he's not going to come out and say that these guys suck, which they don't. I mean, you know, they're, they're further from it, but, you know, could they record have been a little bit better? Have they had games where they could have won? You know, maybe they could have been, maybe they could be maybe mm-hmm. a top, you know, in the top, you know, like a five or a 60 right now, maybe, but you know what, look, this team's still starting to grow. And, like, I think for me, it'll be interesting to see, like, how they do in this, you know, in this new schedule, be, you know, with this new schedule, because they've got a lot of tough games. you got to play Philly multiple times. you got to play the Nets multiple times. Um, they, you know, I think they play, like, the Bucks a few times, too. So, mm-hmm. look, we're, we're, we're going to see. Go ahead, again. Sorry. No, I no, I'm saying, no, I'm saying, we're going to see how, well, are they at, uh, look, I doubt, look, they're not at the level of those teams yet, but I want them to at least be competitive. Go ahead, Sid. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to jump in and say, you mentioned Milwaukee. They still had to play them a couple more times because they're in their d- division. If you remember the first game of the new calendar year, the, uh, the Bulls went to Milwaukee and it got trash. You know how I feel about Milwaukee. Uh, I like Giannis, but I don't like their head coach. And I know, shout out Bobby Portis, former Bull, but I don't like the rest of their roster. And people are going to find that again come playoff time. But that, that team is another issue. We'll get to them later on in the show. But like you said, the Bulls have a five-game homestand coming out of the break next week. And like you said, we're going to see how what this team is made of against better competition. Uh, you mentioned Philadelphia. We saw uh, the Bulls uh, play against them a couple of weeks ago. Maybe you could have won that game, but Joel and B had a performance of the season for him personally, scoring, uh, dropping a 50 piece, as the kids mm-hmm. would say. So <laughs> you were very competitive in that game. But at some point, if you want to become a playoff team, you got to turn some of these losses into wins, especially the mistakes that that plague you down the stretch of some of these uh, losses early in the season, like the Portland game, the Philadelphia game, the Denver game. There's plenty of examples, but you have to turn the corner at some point. And this team has to grow up together. 
will be interesting to see what they what they do once we start the other second half. You listen to Second City Sports Zoom style podcast along with Cindy Brown. I am Lakina McGee. Now, Sid, let's talk about the NBA as a whole. Like I said, we'll we'll go more in depth once we do our NBA Power Hour Roundtable Power Hour um, as a whole. Like which player, which team, you know, has sort of you know impressed you so far. Let's shout out the Sacramento Kings. I was watching that game on Wednesday, of course. They defeated the Los Angeles Lakers 123-120, to of course. LeBron James, AD, a.k.a. Anthony Davis for the government, SD would say, <laughs> from the <laughs> old D and Davis show. Uh, those two superstars didn't play, but uh, Sacramento, as we told you guys, they have some young talent, and it looks like they're playing together, but they're like the Bulls, although I think the Bulls are a step, a step above them at this point in the season. I think I think they're they're a team to watch for the future. Now the Lakers, I know people want to throw uh, stones at them. They still have one of the top three records uh, in the NBA. Uh, they're going to the All Star break, limping a little bit, but once they get Anthony Davis back healthy, this team should be fine. And also another team I want to focus on is the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know if you checked that game out on Wednesday against Golden State. Uh, that was a very good game to watch. Damian Lillard once again just. <laughs> Put it on the show. He had the go-ahead three-pointer with less than 20 seconds left. Uh, Carmelo Anthony had a perform one of his best games of the season with 22 points. Uh, Portland, I, I'm not saying they're going to the championship. I'm not here to say that they'll make a deep playoff run yet. But that's one of the teams that you should look out for. Hopefully, when CJ McCollum returns, uh, you know, hope when that team starts finally starting to get healthy. Uh, they could be a team to record with. Like I said, I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing, but uh, don't don't sleep on them. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think I think in Portland. Look, hopefully McCollum gets back and Jerkic. You know, hopefully they they can come back and just imagine how this team will look if though if they were at full strength. So mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be probably be they probably be right up there with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Jazz. Now, I want to talk about the Phoenix Suns saying out west. Mm-hmm. They've won four. They're, they're probably like the one team that probably wishes that they didn't have the All-Star break coming because they've won eight of the mm-hmm. last ten. They've won four in a row, including being the Lakers and the Warriors to finish out that first half. Devin Booker has looked up phenomenal. CP3, I mean, he's been sort of like that, sort of like the mentor for Booker and some of those mm-hmm. young players. You know, DeAndre Ayton has, has made some big shots. Jake Crowder is showing that, look, showing folks, hey, I'm, I might be 30, but I still got it. You know, so, <laughs> like, I think, you know, Monty Williams, I mean, look, if it wasn't for Billy Donovan, I wish, you know, Monty Williams, you know, was coaching the Bulls. But, look, mm-hmm. he's, he's done wonders for that team. And, look, they're number two right now in the West. Not saying that they're going to be number two when the season's done because they've got a pretty tough mm-hmm. schedule, too, you know, you know, you know, in the second half. But they're, they're, they're showing you that, look, hey, look, we're, we're here, too. So, look out, Utah and the L.A. teams. One, I think a player, this is a player for me, and that's Julius Randle. I remember when he was at Kentucky, he tore his ACL, you know, had to go through uh, rehab, you know, has come a long way. And he actually is, you know, the first player in the Knicks, in, in the Knicks history, mind you, you know, with 800 points, 400 rebounds, and 200 assists going into the All-Star break. And they now, and they're at the, they're at the 5C right now. Now, again, you know, also D. Rose has kind of helped that too, but you know, I look, I've looked at their schedule. Their schedule's pretty tough, so I don't know if they'll be able to keep that up. But 
look, you got to give, you know, Coach Tibbs and the Knicks some props for at least being not laughing stock, <laughs> you know, as they were the last few years. So I, I think you got to be feeling pretty good if you're a Knicks fan. Yeah, uh, shout out to Coach Tibbs, former Chicago Bull head coach. We all know his issues. We won't go through with them here. But they're in the same boat as the Chicago Bulls. Uh, coming to the season, you wanted that team to be respectable and, and play off your identity. Right now, the Knicks are doing that. Will they end up fourth or fifth? Probably not. But you know, congrats to Julius Randle for uh, making the all-star team. Our guy D Derek Rose is over there now. You still had Taj Gibson over there riding a pine on the bench. So, you know, uh, Tom Thibodeau's uh, disciples can deliver that message to some of the young guys. You still have R.J. Bear, who's having an okay year, Mitchell Robinson, and some of those other young guys. So, so, so cut that, cut that off, that damn internet. <laughs> but, uh, but. Going back to the Knicks, uh, they have a, a more of a respectable year. I don't think they'll finish in the top five, top six, not even top seven, but give it to Coach Tibbs. They still have uh, some um, work to do. Uh, give them two thumbs up thus far, but they're in the same boat as the Bulls. Yeah, I think that they're right there too. Now, what, now on the flip side, though, which team has disappointed you? I would have to say off the bat, the Milwaukee Bucks, I know they won their last game on Wednesday at Memphis. Uh, he had to take a last-second shot from Drew Holiday in the left baseline to get it done. But Milwaukee, as I told people before, I said this last year, I said this two years ago, I'm going to keep saying it again. You're a great regular season team. Prove it to me in the playoffs. I'll say it again. Prove it to me in the playoffs. Regular season is great. But when it comes down to it, you fail to show up. And that's the same thing we said about the Utah Jazz, Lakino, you know, all season long. I know we'll get to them in a minute. But Milwaukee has been disappointing to me. Uh, I was going to put Boston on that list, but they've turned it around recently. As of this moment, Brad Stevens isn't going in anywhere. I know some of you national folks wanted him gone already, but obviously that didn't happen. Mm. So uh, Milwaukee off, offhand would be uh, the disappointing team to me, even though they're still up there in the Eastern Conference standings-wise. For me, I would say Dallas. Even though, look, they they they've won three and you know, won three in a row. You know, they've won mm -hmm. the last ten. You know, going into the break, you know, Luka Doncic has done you know Luka things. You know, we all thought that mm -hmm. you know he'd be right there in the discussion for MVP. But look, it looks like Chris Chris Offerzing is like he's starting to finally get get it together there. Um, you know, they got a couple of you know. Supported players, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein and, and guys like that. So, you know, they're starting to turn a corner, but I would thought that maybe they'd be probably be – I would think they would probably be, like, in the four to five range. You know, I think the mm -hmm. Dallas – the Mavericks would be since – especially since there was so much so much expectations considering what they did in the bubble last fall. I would think Dallas – Um, let's see. I think for the East, if I have to pick one, I would probably say Atlanta. I mean, they got rid of Lloyd Boston, their head coach, and apparently I guess the players found out – Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce, I should say. Sorry, I don't want to get Lloyd Boston for him. But uh, apparently, uh, I guess they found out, you know, via social media – that you know he was you know fire, but look they look they were the they were the ones the Hawks and the Hawks fans they were the ones who said hey you know we're gonna be like right there at the top of the East. So far they haven't. So look mm -hmm. I, I know people want to get political and say well you know hey why did you get a shot but you know, the, you know the other no 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 look they were the ones you guys were the ones that kind of set the bar high for yourselves and it, it didn't work and now you're you know you don't have a coach so. And also, I would say the Withers, too, even though they're starting to turn the code a little bit, too. But I thought maybe having Russell Westbrook there with Bradley Beal 
who's been phenomenal, leads the league in scoring. But, you know, it hasn't worked well so far with the Wizards. I thought they'd probably have to be right there in kind of like that play-in range. They're kind of turned the corner a little bit. But, you know, we'll see what they do in the second half. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what these teams, uh, will, the struggling teams that we call disappointing, would do once the second half begins next week. Now, quickly, Lakina, uh, to the couple of good teams in the league before we move on. The Brooklyn Nets, I watched their game against the Rockets the other night. Bruce Brown is one of those unsung heroes for the Brooklyn Nets. He, yeah. He's in the starting line in place of Durant. He plays defense. He gives you additional scoring. James Harden who's an all-star again being traded from Houston early in the season. He's become that point guard of the team this year. I know Kyrie Irving Durant and Kevin Durant has missed the last few games, but James Harden's really starting to take on that role as a leader. He's on his best behavior. I'm not suggesting that he was a bad guy, but we all knew that he wanted out of Houston. He got his wish, and now he's doing whatever the team needs him to do. So he's bringing on that uh, veteran leadership both on and off the court. Yeah, he's been totally, like you say, he's been kind of like the unsung hero. He's Look, he's doing, look, he'll be the first to tell you he's not KD, <laughs> Avi, but look, he's definitely hold, hold, been holding down the fort, you know, very well for the next, you know, kind of helping, helping, you know, you know, Harden out and also Kyrie out whenever, you know, you know, Kyrie has been having, you know, shoulder, you know, issues, you know, that, but, you know, look, they had a nice win against the Rockets, you know, being them pretty easily. Still need to work on their defense, so they gave 114 points, so when I'm, I'm, hoping that they can take care of that and clean that up in the second half because he can't be giving up all that many points, especially if you're trying to win a championship. I'm going to say Utah, too. Utah, look, I know that they kind of, they're kind of like, you know, I think they were exhausted, you know, going to the break. They, they lost, you know, their last two games. But I think, you know, that will, we'll, you know, we will want to get into that because all the stuff that happened in that game, you know, that Utah game, you know, because that, ugh, that was just, just, oh, terrible, as Charles Barkley would say. But, <laughs> Well, look, terrible. terrible, you know, that game against six, Sixers. Ugh. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, has looked good, you know, definitely going to put himself in the MVP discussion. Uh, Rudy Gobert has been playing very well, too. I mean, they, I think for, I think for me in this sense, they need more bench contributions. You know, look, I mean, Bogdanovich, you know, we need to kind of hear his kid Cavs up a little bit more. Mike Conley Jr. needs to step a little bit more. Joe Angles, you know, look, they, they've got a deep bench, you know, the Jazz have. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that maybe they can kind of get it together because, look, the, the, the Clippers and the Lakers and also the Suns and the Blazers, look, a lot of those teams in the West are going to be gunning for them in the second half. So, and their, their schedule is pretty brutal. So I'm looking forward to see what Utah does. Yeah, as you mentioned, all the other teams in the Western Conference, especially the top teams, again, we'll assume they'll get healthy as the playoffs near. And like you said, Utah has to bring their A game. And as long as they don't have any major injuries, they'll give themselves the shot. But uh, we shall see uh, as far as these uh, uh, best teams in the league, both the East and the West. You're listening to Sega City Sports Weekend Edition, along with Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Sidney Brown, which is he, as we're now <laughs> transitioned to college basketball, Lakina, uh, some of the smaller conference tournaments are starting this week, including the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, the Loyola Ramblers, they're ranked number 21 in the country, of course, uh, you'll be listening to this podcast today, which is Saturday, You've, uh, you will know that they are taking care of business against Southern Illinois. <laughs> I know I'm silly holding my fingers crossed, but you'll see them later in action today on CBS, assuming that they'll win that game. You'll see them on CBS on Sunday, which is tomorrow, uh, playing in the, um, uh, the Missouri Valley Conference Championship game 
uh, guess whoever. <laughs> so, uh, as far as that tournament is concerned, Kina, I heard this news the other day that they're allowing fourteen hundred fans in there to uh, for fans and for the players of um, the fans of the players and the coaches to watch. So it looks like we're getting back to some normalcy, and you'll see that. As we go along this NCAA tournament, of course, the, the tournament will play will be played in three cities in the state of Indiana. So players will quarantine. They'll be on this um, strict restrictions. So uh, it, it's going to be about uh, mental toughness and endurance for uh, for all these teams participating in this year's tournament. Now, before we look a little bit more ahead, I want to look backwards, Lakina, to Tuesday night's action. As we uh, stay local, the Illinois Final Line, which they are ranked fourth at the moment, they defeated the number two ranked Michigan Wolverines 76 to 53. Ayo Dusumu, who was rumored to play uh, with, a, of course, with the suffering of broken nose in last week's action at Michigan State, uh, head coach Brad Elden decided to hold him out. It turned out to be a good decision because Illinois from the jump were the better team than Juwan Howard's Michigan Wolverines. Lakina, uh, they brought it from start to finish. They were out rebounding Michigan. They out shot, shot them. They out hustled them. They were scrambling for loose balls on the floor. Uh, I said, imagine this when the Sumo comes back. Um, I assume that he's coming back for the big tit tournament, if not the the the, the big dance. Uh, this team, I'm not here to say they'll win the whole thing yet. Do they have a realistic shot? Yes, uh, assuming with the Sumo back in the lineup, but this team took advantage of Michigan's weaknesses early, and they did that for 40 straight minutes. Trent Frazier was huge for the Illini, 22 points leading the team. I mean, look, I think think that, you know, he's kind of like that unsung hero. You know, we all, we know about AO, we know about Kofi Copper, but Trent Frazier, who's a senior leader on that team, he's kind of mm-hmm. been like the guy, especially the last couple of years, to, you know, to get that, you know, facilitate the mm-hmm. scoring there. And he definitely stepped up for, for them against Michigan. Look, I think, I think Illinois just wanted more. I think that their, their mindset was that, look, I think we, we wanted to prove to people that, hey, you know, we're not just AO, you know, there are other guys mm-hmm. on the team, you know, we got a, a pretty good coach in Brad Underwood. So, like I think that you know, they showed you why, and they definitely deserve to be in the discussion for a number one seed. Look, I think a lot still has to happen. They got Ohio. They you know, they got Ohio State today, later today. Um, and look, I look you got an Ohio State team that says, look, we we still have a chance to get a, a one seed too. Mm-hmm. So. I think, look, if you're Illinois, I think you still got a lot of work to do because I think that there's still, like, definitely a mm-hmm. sort of like a mar- no margin for error for that one seed. But, look, I think you're showing people why. Look, we should be in that discussion, too, with Illinois and, you know, with you know, with Illinois, Michigan, and Ohio State. And that's – I think it's going to be between those three for those – for maybe those two – those number one seeds. Unless, unless Alabama somehow gets in there. So, we'll see. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, getting back to the Illini for just a second uh, with their big win over Michigan earlier this week. How about Andre Cabello uh, scoring 17 points off the bench in 19 minutes of action? He shot 8 of 14 from the field. Uh, th- there was another uh, young player that uh, Illinois had a big performance from. And also um, um, J- Jamal Grandison. I know yeah. that he, did, he didn't do well as uh, Jacob Grandison, I should Jacob, say. Yeah. I, know, uh, I know he didn't do well as far as scoring-wise, but, but he, he was huge, with, with uh, especially on defense, with six rebounds. And so I know he got in foul trouble, but still his presence was felt on that floor on Tuesday. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I think he's like that that sort of like that pseudo big guy, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, up front for Illinois. But look, I mean, look, he he kept he kept a lot of those a lot of those possessions, you know, for Illinois. The really, I think Michigan really didn't have no answer for him, so they you know they looked really good. And I, I look, like I think Illinois is show, like I said, they're showing you, will that look, maybe we they we discussed Illinois in that sort of same realm with the Michigans and the Baylors and the Gonzagas. Look, we don't know if they're going to win the tournament or not. Look, a lot, mm-hmm. look, great, great, especially this year, crazy things can happen all around. So let, let's, yeah. you know, but look, they deserve, definitely deserve to be in the discussion, no doubt. Yeah, and also let's give love to Adam Miller. Even though he scored six yeah. points on Tuesday for the Illini, he could be another key player, especially when uh, March Madness begins uh, next week. So watch out for those uh, two guys I just mentioned a moment ago for the final line. There's not just a one and two man team. Oh, oh, they're showing you why as well. Now, congrats to Baylor. Um, they win their first conference title of any kind on the men's hoop side since the old, the old Southwest Conference way back in 1960. That's how long it's been since, you know, Baylor has won a conference title, regular season title of any sort. So we'll see how. Look, yeah. Look, you know, they got that nice little overtime win against West Virginia, which is not easy mm-hmm. by any means. That was a classic game. That was a lot of, uh, you know, I was out, but like I, from what I saw via my uh, phone here, um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Jared Butler, I mean, he'll probably end up being player of the year in the conference, you know, made some big shots late. So, you know, look, I think Baylor's starting to get, get you know, they're starting to kind of, you know, get get better. You know, remember they had a, they had a three-week pause due to COVID, so they're kind of getting their groove, and hopefully they can. Yeah, hopefully they can. And also, congratulations, going back to the Big Ten action. Uh, Michigan, as we mentioned, they got destroyed by Illinois in their home court on Tuesday. They bounced back with a win at home against Michigan State on Thursday to clinch uh, the Big Ten regular season championship. Lakina, uh, I hope that this happens next Sunday, Indianapolis, uh, Michigan-Illinois tournament final. Yeah, that could happen. It could yeah. happen, probably for a 1C2. We'll see. Should be fun. Yep, it should be fun as college basketball winds down before the uh, the Power Five conference tournaments begin next this time next week. We'll run down some of the key games you should look for this weekend. Start with the Saturday games, which if you're listening to this podcast on Saturday, it will be today, <laughs> 11 o'clock a.m. on ESPN2. You'll have number 11 for Florida State traveling to South Bend to take on the struggling Fighting Irish. At 1 p.m. on ESPN2, you have Number 17, Oklahoma State. The Cowboys will travel to Morgantown to face number six, West Virginia, at 1 o'clock p.m. on CBS. These are all Chicago time starts. You have number eight, Alabama, traveling to Athens, Georgia, to take on the Georgia Bulldogs. And congrats to Alabama, too, for clinching the SEC for the first time, I believe, since 04, <laughs> 05, I believe. So sometime in the early 2000s. So Naos has done a great job with that, that Bama basketball program. Yep, and now moving on to the primetime games for Saturday. At 3 p.m. on ESPN, you have number four, Illinois, traveling to Columbus to take on the number seventh-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. At 3 p.m. at the same time on Fox, number 14, Creighton, well, the Blue Jays will host uh, struggling Butler, battle the Bulldogs there, so <laughs> those, those, uh, that, sh- that should be fun. Uh, at the same time on ESPN2, number 21, Virginia, who are the technically the defending national champions. They'll travel to Louisville, Kentucky, to face the Louisville Cardinal. And at 4 p.m. on the SEC 
Network. Texas A&M will travel travel to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to face the number 12th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. Eric Bussman's did a great job with that Arkansas program. You know, they've you know, been doing well. So, you know, it looks like they're trying to get that high seed and then a two seed in the SEC tournament. Should be interesting there. Mm-hmm. Um, for, no, go ahead. Yeah, for Sunday's games, 11 o'clock a.m. This is Central Standard Time on CBS number nine, Houston. The Cougars will travel to Memphis to take on Anthony Hardaway's, a.k.a. Penny Hardaway's Memphis Tigers, who are 15-6 and six and 11-3 in the American. Uh, they have been very quiet this year, Lakina. No one's really talking about them. This should be fun. 11.30 a.m. on Fox, you have number 25, the Wisconsin Badgers, traveling, excuse me, to Iowa City to face the fifth-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes. At 3 p.m. on ESPN, you'll have... Number 18, Texas Tech. The Red Raiders will travel to Waco to face the number three Baylor Bears. At 3.30, I'm ready for this one. I know <laughs> it probably won't be as much to Michigan, but at 3.30 p.m. on CBS, you'll have number two Michigan traveling to East Lansing to face the Michigan State Spartans. I think that game clearly is, means more to Michigan State as they tr- try to rebound from a slow start to the season, perhaps sneak into that tournament. Then at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus in the Big 12 Network, you'll have number 15 Texas taking on TCU. Should be an interesting one there. Will those teams play? Um, I would say for me, I think that Memphis game, I think Memphis needs to this would cut against the bubble discussion. This so they're because they're kind of like a little outside the bubble right now. So I think beating mm-hmm. Houston, I think, will could definitely help in their attorney resume. Going back to um Saturday, the eleven AM Fox game, Rutgers in Minnesota. Both teams have struggled mm-hmm. lately. Rutgers had a terrible loss to Nebraska, who lost their leading score. You know, he you know, Tony Allen, he left the program. That does not help. I'm not saying that that gets them out of the tournament, but that can get you on the other, right. on the wrong side of the bubble pretty quick. And Minnesota, unfortunately, has just, you know, they, they've just sunk. So, <laughs> look, look there, there are folks in Minneapolis that are kind of that want, you know, Richard Pertino, Richard Pertino out of there. So this is probably going to be like a like a job-saving, you know, game for him. Um, USC, UCLA, USC, that's a CBS game at 3 o'clock. That's a late game. I'm thinking maybe our, our buddy Spiro Diaz might be calling that game since he lives out there in Los Angeles um, later today. Um, look, USC needs this win to kind of clinch the number one seed in the Pac-12 tournament. Um, you know, to have it out, to, to look clutch outright, UCLA needs to kind of stay on the bubble discussion. So that should be a fun one there. And that game prior to on Sunday, that game prior to that Michigan, Michigan State game, that's the Missouri Valley Conference Championship. So if you're Loyola, if you're Drake, you want them to face each other so they can kind of they could be the two representatives because if not, you know, it's probably going to be a potential, potential mid-stealer, just saying. So if you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a bubble team, you're hoping that Loyola and Drake get in the tournament final so that whoever wins, you know, it's sort of moot, you know, it's just for your bright rights purposes. But, you know, that, that's still that way you won't have a bid-stealer, a bid-thief, I should say, on your hands. <laughs> You're listening to the weekend edition of Sega City Sports along with Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown, which is he. As we have a few minutes left in the show, Lakina, I want to tackle a couple of topics. Let's go to the NHL right now, the Chicago Blackhawks. We'll get more into them on our next episode. But breaking news uh, early Friday morning, a 15-year NHL veteran, Brent Seabrook, has called it a career. He is now retired after playing 15 years, as I mentioned, with three Stanley Cups, a couple of all-star appearances under his belt. Lakina, he's one of the best 
underrated Blackhawks defenseman in this era. I know you talk about the history of great defenseman Doug Wilson, who should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dunkey Keith, who's still playing right now. Of course, Chris Chelios, a hometown guy. I know he's working with the Blackhawks um, organization right now. So Brent, Brent Seabrook is up there. Should he have his number retired? I wouldn't. I'm not going to go against it. Maybe uh, probably it'll, it'll eventually happen. I know Chelios is up up there on the Raptors, I believe, right yeah. now. So, and I it is is one heck of a career for Seabrook. I was thinking about this this morning before we started uh, recording. We we barely know what these athletes go through off the field because they're people just like us. But to get themselves ready to play, especially for the game of hockey, you had to go through all that training, that skating, and then get mentally prepared. And I know the last few years he tried to gut it, gut it out, in which he did, but he was dealing with various injuries with his knees and his hips and his shoulders. So uh, congratulations to congratulations to Mr. Seabrook. Salute to you, my man, on a great career. Like I mentioned, three Stanley Cups. You are part of that turnaround on the ice. Uh, his efforts will never, will never be forgotten. My two personal memories for me, for those of you that are listening exclusively on the podcast, make sure you tune into the replay on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W A R R Media on YouTube, I'm I'm uh, displaying. I am displaying um, my Brent Seabrook jersey from 2013, the Stanley Cup year. Uh, my two personal memories for Mr. Seabrook: uh, he's Mr. Overtime, as many fans have called him throughout the years, including yours truly. Game seven in 2013 against Detroit, and that was Detroit's last year in the Western Conference. Gary Bettman, you idiot, but <laughs> that's neither here or there. Uh, and also during that same run uh, in game four against Boston, uh, at Boston in 2013, he scored the overtime winner. And for, for those of you that may have forgotten, the, it was a hard-fought series yeah. for the Hawks between uh, Chicago and Boston. Of course, game three, um, the Hawks got shut out and destroyed. Game four was like their game seven. They got out of there with the win. Of course, they won the next two games after that to catch their second of three Stanley Cups in the last decade. So those are my two personal memories for Brent Seabrook. Yeah, those memories are right up there for him. And look, Stan Bowman said in the presser that, look, if it wasn't for Seabs, they would not have won three Stanley Cups of Blackhawks. (laughs) He had 20 goals and 39 assists in those 123 playoff games he played. That's big, and City just just showed you the um the two games that you, he was very instrumental. And Doug Wilson, don't get me started, because I I look, I can talk about why the hell Doug Wilson's on the Hall of Fame for for days. <laughs> so that's just I <laughs> uh, don't. Oh yeah. Don't get me started on that. You know, GM of the uh, the Sharks, by the way, Doug Wilson is now, so he's doing pretty well. But um, uh, but even you, though they go through a rebuild, <laughs> yeah, they are. Um. But you you listen to C's and what he went through. I mean, he said that there was a time last year that he couldn't he could he couldn't walk because mm-hmm. of those you know injuries. And I think people underestimate how much of a grind, how much you know, how much you know, how many hits and how much you know training that NHL players, well, hockey players in general have to go through. I think people think, well, NHL is not a sport, and blah blah blah. They play on this, whatever. Look, I think he just showed you. Like he just showed you why he was very instrumental in, you know, in the Hawks' success. And I think he is a very underrated supporting player. I think he's right up there with, you know, um, if you want to go like, you know, like of all like, you know, championship teams for for Chicago, you know, maybe David Ross, you know, I, you know, maybe like a little younger David Ross in that sense for the mm-hmm. for the um, for the Cubs and when they won the World Series, the White Sox, um, you know, Scott Pusek, maybe you know somebody like that. 
you know, the right yeah, thing. Yeah, good call. Um, maybe, um, you know, for the Bulls teams, I guess, oh, geez, maybe um, Bill Wennington, I guess, maybe somebody like that, maybe for, you know, if you want to use that comparison. But yeah, I think, I think, look, Seabrook, I think should definitely be, you know, applauded and commended. And I think he's going to be in long-term IR. I, I, I think it's, I don't know how they do it in yes. the NHL, but hopefully they keep, hopefully Hawks keep him in some capacity as an ambassador or somebody like that. But I think, look, Seabrook could should definitely, and I think Emily Kaplan, I think said it oh, on ESPN, a blog that she just posted earlier this morning that, look, he's one of the reasons why, you know, the Hawks have three Stanley Cups in the last seven years. Yeah, so him and, and, and Duncan Keith were a great pair, a defensive pair on the first blue line uh, during those Stanley Cup runs. Of course, Duncan Keith was more of an offensive defenseman, while Brent Seabrook, he was a bruiser, he was, he was a hitter. He also brought it occasionally offensively too, So, which made uh, teams uh, on the other side very weary of the Hawks' um, um, blue line as joining the offense when they were head coached by Joe Quenville. So give Coach Q props as well and give a uh, former GM Dale talent as well for making those acquisitions early on. I have a quick story for you, Lakina, before we move on. Uh, Doc Emmerich, I remember uh, telling the story during the first uh, Blackhawk Stanley Cup championship in 2010, John Madden, not the football guy, but no. the hockey guy <laughs> the hockey from, guy. <laughs> from New Jersey. Yeah. From New Jersey, who was brought over uh, as a, one of those veterans for the Blackhawks in 2010. Mike Emberg, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing a little bit, and he was talking about John Madden because Doc Emberg, who's now retired, did those New Jersey Devils games during that era for a long time. And he said uh, John Madden told him the story that after they won uh, the Devils' Stanley Cup wins, as you you mentioned, Lakina, the, the, the pressure and the pain that these players have to go through just to play one game of hockey, it's incredible. But Doc told the story from John Madden's perspective that uh, after the Stanley, one of the Stanley Cup seasons were over, championship seasons were over, uh, every day he woke up out of bed, referring to John Madden, he, oh, oh, every day he woke up, uh, he got up out of bed in pain somewhere. It wasn't until the middle of July that he, it didn't hurt somewhere that he, uh, that he got out of bed he could walk normally. And I said, that, that tells you something about a, a hockey player right there in the NHL. Yeah, it's sort of unfortunate that they don't get their due because of the fact that the what they go through, you know, training and, you know, icing, you know, that the ice all the buys they have to go through afterwards. It's just, you know, they should definitely be commended. Mm-hmm. And I think Steve is kind of give you a firsthand account as to why, you know, why he had to retire, basically. Yeah, and just hopefully he has more than enough time now to get healthy, not just for himself, but for his family and his kids, or whatever he wants yeah. to do, whether it's broadcasting, coaching, or whatever, do something else away from sports. He'll have enough time to do it, just hopefully that, that he's happy, he's safe and healthy, so he can continue on with his life. It's about the game of life uh, at this point for him. We got a couple of minutes left, Lakina, before we wrap up, wrap up this first segment. Let's talk about music. I sent you a little note the other day. Mm-hmm. The cable channel, TV One, if you guys know me, I'm a big old school music fan. Will not, do not apologize for it. <laughs> I love on song. They started this series about 10, 12 years ago, and they highlight uh, old school R&B, gospel, and hip-hop stars they introduced to us over the last uh, several years. This season's list is uh, tremendous. They're going to start airing those episodes, I believe, on Sunday, March 21st on TV One. And uh, as, I, as we've been telling you guys that uh, uh, some of the artists that we brought up on past shows, uh, go look up their episodes on YouTube. 
uh, from the Unsung series. I think this year, Lakina features uh, rappers Mystical uh-huh. <laughs> from yep. the No Limit Camp. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> Show me what you're working with. Shake your fans. Watch mm-hmm. yourself. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Morris Day, I know you told me the other day. I'm looking forward to that one as well. I don't think you I think it's going to take more than one hour to tell his story. And oh, you yeah. know they're going to bring up his uh, older cousin, Prince. Oh, yeah. You know they're going to bring that up, obviously. <laughs> Not just because little... of Purple Rain, but uh, uh, um, uh, how Morris Day is feeling after Prince's death uh, in this, this coming April will be. I can't believe it five years ago. I know it's 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 crazy. I know yeah. he's gonna have a lot to say, and it's gonna be a very emotional part of the interview. Um, uh, uh, Bobby Valentino, Bobby V. I mean, look, this mm-hmm. is a guy who wrote some of your your favorite hits in the early two thousands. So, and also had a, had a couple hits of his own. So that should be yeah. It. I know he was working with Ludacris uh, in the beginning of his uh, solo career. Yeah. That's where I remember from him. So I'm I'm uh, I'm looking at I'm going to look at all those episodes, but, but including his in particular. Yeah, Hezekiah Walker for all of, the, all of you um, gospel fans. You know, also mm-hmm. sort of like gospel pop, you know, gospel R&B. He kind of sort of mm-hmm. led the way in that one, so that should be fun. Also, Keith Washington. I know, look, uh, all, of you, all of you kids who were born in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, safe to say that you guys were probably could see, listen to a Keith <laughs> Just Can saying. see you, loving you all through the night. All right, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to pay for that too, but yeah, that should be a fun one too. <laughs> that should be a fun one too. So uh, yeah, so yes. a lot of um, some of look. I mean, this is like it's gonna be a great list this year. So check that out on March twenty first on TV One. Check your local uh, your cable and satellite provider for the channel. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, as I mentioned before on that Davis show. And uh, the Flippin' Friends and on this show, I love that series. For those of you that uh, don't know what we're talking about, like I said, go look at some of those episodes from from uh, previous seasons on YouTube. You'll enjoy yourself. They had uh, their uh, profile artists like Kumo D, Alexander O'Neill, um, The Shy Lights, Marshall Thompson. Uh, you can go on the list down the line. Lakeside, one of my personal favorites, The Whispers, The OJs. So all those old school groups that you know about that your parents have told you about as we are, are in or artists that we mentioned on this show, go look up their unsung um, episodes. Uh, you'll really enjoy it. It'll get you prepared for this upcoming season. Also, a lot of stuff that you didn't know about your favorite artists, too. They're upbringing yes. and, you know, things like that. Also, too, some, you know, songs that they passed on or, you know, songs that they've written mm-hmm. that they passed on. So a lot of stuff you need, you know, that you can learn. Yes. Let's take a 20-second timeout, Lakina, as you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. On the flip side, we'll have our Chicago Bulls NBA Power Hour with our all-star panel. You'll find out who they are on the on the other side. We'll take this quick timeout. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown, which is he. And this is our first half review of the 2020-21 season for the Chicago Bulls in the NBA. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with the other podcast programming by simply going to War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, and also the iHeartRadio app. Just type in that search engine box, War on Anchor, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media, once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can not only watch us, but 
Facebook, you can listen to us live. And before we continue, you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. And Kip, before we get started, let's introduce you guys to our all-star panel to review the first half of the season for the Bulls in the NBA. First up, he is Clark Kent, uh, covering the Chicago Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago. He's a good friend of the show. No offense. <laughs> He's our good buddy, Mr. Rob Schaefer. Rob, welcome back to the show. How are you? I, I would never take offense to that. I just don't know where you got it from. Uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> we like your style, Rob. Do, where can people follow you on social media? Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, at Twitter, it's uh, on Twitter. It's at Rob underscore Schaef, S-C-H-A-E-F. Um, you know, all the great stuff that me and my colleague Casey Johnson are pumping out at NBCSportsChicago.com can be found uh, there. But yeah, like I said, good to be here. Okay. Also, so you can listen to Rob Schaefer along with Jason Goff and Casey Johnson and all his cohorts over there, NBC Sports Chicago, on the Bulls Talk Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you download it, subscribe to it, and listen to those episodes. They bring great information and great fun as well. Next up, he is a writer for Forbes Magazine, and he's the co-host of the According to the Number Two Sources podcast, along with Brian Crawford and a good friend of the show, Sean Davis from ESPN Chicago. He's the one and only Mr. Christopher Case. And Chris, nice to talk to you again. How are you? Doing great, man. Thank you guys for having me. No problem. Where can people follow you on social media? Everything C, the number four, Dunk, D-U-N-K. All right. And next up, he's a, another good friend of the show. He's also our cohort at War Media. He's our senior columnist, uh, not only talking about NBA, he talks about uh, social justice issues as well, and also other, uh, other things as well. He is the one, the only, the young phenomenon, Mr. Joshua M. Hicks. Josh, welcome back, my man. How are you? Doing good, Sid. Hope all is well with you guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Where can people follow you on the social media? Instagram and Twitter at Josh M. Hicks Media. And props to you, Josh, for putting that uh, picture up on your Instagram. I saw it this morning of uh, now new Chicago Bulls all-star Zach Levine. I assume that was from last year uh, doing the festivities, right? Uh, yes, sir. Now it's me, Zach Levine, uh, chopping it up a little bit last year at this uh, All-Star event. So um, prior to the All-Star, him participating in, mm -hmm. um, you know, three-point shootout and everything. So I wish him nothing but the best this year as he goes down to, to you know, do that event again, as well as participate in the All-Star game representing Chicago. All right, good stuff. And last but definitely not least, he's another good friend of the show. He is the mayor of Bulls Nation. He is a fan favorite. <laughs> now, he is still the co-host of the Lockdown Bulls podcast with Jordan Malley. You can download that podcast wherever you download your podcast. And also, he's the co-host of the Bulls Post Game Show via exclusively on YouTube and I'm assuming Facebook as well at Ball on Bulls. That's B-A-W-L on Bulls on Bulls with his former co-host at NBC Sports Chicago. He is the one, the only Matt Peck. Matt, welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Sid. Lakina, thanks for having me, guys. Okay, a couple things. Uh, Shafe, I am only calling you Clark Kent from now on. Nothing else. That nickname <laughs> is perfect. That is perfect. And, uh, dude, Sid, shout out to you for having the Seabrook sweater behind you, man. That is uh, an appropriate oh, decor for today. Thank you. Thank you. We had to show love to Mr. Seabrook of as course. he announced his retirement Legend, after 15 dude. years. Yeah, yeah. Legend. Yes. Of course. Yes. 
Uh, real quick before we get started, Matt, if you ever decide to print up those T-shirts, if you're you being named uh, uh, the mayor of Bulls Nation, me and Lakeem would like our 50%. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and decline because getting the, the tag of mayor in this city, not exactly a good thing. <laughs> That's like not we'll make wants to be labeled mayor in Chicago. That has only negative connotations. <laughs> we'll, we'll call you president of Bulls Nation. How okay, about well, that? So yeah, president. Uh, now that we have a different one, I'm fine with that label. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Deal done. Deal done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right, guys, let's get it started. The Bulls are tied with the Toronto Raptors for the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference with a 16-18 and 18 record uh, at the end of the first half of this 2020-21 season. Uh, we, we've seen some improvements so far from this team, not only individually but collective as a group. But also we've seen some struggles as well from other key members of the Bulls team. Of course, new head coach Billy Donovan uh, is leading this bunch. Matt, I'll start with you first uh, before we really break down the uh, the Bulls' first half so far. In general, what have you liked so far from this Bulls team throughout the first half of the season? Well, I've liked that despite it being essentially the same roster as last year and also dealing with injuries to key players like they did last year. You know, this year, Wendell missed time. Um, Otto is just like, you know, put an APB out for that guy. Who, knew, who the hell knows where he is? And, and Lowry on the shelf, too, you can see a significant improvement in just their level of competitiveness on a nightly basis. Like, yeah, they're only 16 and 18, when if you go back and look at their record through the same number of games last season, they were 13 and 21. So only a three-win improvement uh, as far as through this many games year to year. But they also have way fewer 20-point losses and 30-point <laughs> losses. And it's like credit, credit to Billy Donovan and, and AK and Eversley and the players themselves for buying in to yet another coach, yet another new system, and actually using those systems on both ends of the floor to be competitive uh, pretty much every night. You, you know, you've had some devastating losses where you almost beat the Lakers, you almost beat the Clippers, uh, the Suns, the Nuggets, quality teams – but it's better than losing by 20 plus every night. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, uh, the, the one thing that I attribute just the competitiveness to is new regime. Um, I think when you're coming to work, I've said this before, but when you're coming to work and you don't particularly like the style that, you know, your boss, you know, has there, like it makes it tough to come to work and that spills out over to the floor. So I just think, with the coaching change, you're starting to see guys actually enjoy coming to work now. I mean, and that's led to, you know, them being actually a competitive team out there on the floor despite the injury. So I like what I've seen. I mean, Zach is, I think, one of the top players in terms of clutch um, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, when you're playing close games, you're, you when you have a score like that, that's always going to be the case. But I actually enjoy watching the Bulls play, you know, again. And that, I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> it has been a chore the last few years. I think we can all agree yeah. on that. <laughs> Josh? Definitely. Yeah, on top of everything that everybody else has said, I think for me it's the fact that the, the, the cultural shift. I mean, listening from Jim Boylan's conferences last year to even Billy Donovan's now, where Billy Donovan is saying, you know, yeah, we want to win this game, but there are so many things we need to change in order to be a better playoff team. Or the fact that, you know, heading even this past game with the Pelicans, he said, yeah, we're 16 and 18. We have a losing record. I mean, what is there to celebrate about? And it's mm -hmm. like that different, that different ment mentality heading into to run your offense and run your team is something that the Bulls lacked for so long that actually gives me hope that even though this year we don't expect them to do big things, 
moving down the line, there's some hope to move, you know, you can look forward to that this new regime is giving a different mentality, which is something that the Bulls need to get over the humps that quite frankly, the old regime, you know, didn't bring to the table. We accepted mediocrity for so long that we forgot what it's like to have a high standard. Billy Donovan's trying to change that high standard and bring, and bring back what it really means to be successful in this league. And that's an exciting thing for Bulls fans moving forward. Rob? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a great point. I think the thing that's jumped out to me the most is just the buy-in under Billy Donovan up and down the roster. I mean, we're not, you know, it, we're not in the locker room uh, anymore this season necessarily. It's all kind of being done over Zoom. But just getting to know Billy and seeing the way players have responded to him, I mean, it really is night and day despite, you know, his coaching style being challenging. He's not babying these guys by any degree. He's not accepting, um, you know, 16 and 18 at the All-Star break as a meaningful step forward or as, at least as much as maybe fans and observers might because, you know, success is relative. And based on where they've been the last few years, it, it, it feels like they've totally forged into a new era. Uh, Billy was asked about that if he, had been, if he would have been surprised by the 16 and 18 record um, if told about it at the beginning of the season. He basically just, um, you know, grounded it in, well, it's still a losing record. And the goal for this team is higher than that. Um, you see the players responding to that style and saying, um, you know, they still think there's another level uh, in terms of potential that this team can get to. Um, so I think that just speaks to the culture points that you guys have all made. You know, it's, it's a good timing for this conversation because we just heard from Arturis Karnaschovas for the first time since the preseason this week. Um, and you just see his kind of influence, the, the hands-on leadership style that he has um, kind of trickling to kind of every corner of the roster. And the buy-in is what keeps you competitive in games against, and it, it, it helps you beat teams that you're supposed to beat and hang around with teams that maybe you're not supposed to. Um, and while there have been kind of gut-wrenching defeats, I think they're 10 and 12 now in games that are within five points with five minutes or less to play, which isn't great. Um, but last season, they were in a lot of those games too. They were in 38 of them in 65 games, and they only won 13. So that winning percentage is, you know, again, relative, but everything is kind of moving in a direction now, like you guys have said for the first time uh, in a while. So um, it, it's, it's kind of hard not to feel good about where the, where the Bulls are at this part of the season. The second half grind is going to be grueling. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, but at this point for them to be in playing contention for got enough guys to be having career seasons, the way they are, um, it's hard not to feel positive about the direction of the franchise, if nothing else. You listen to our Bulls NBA roundtable with Rob Schaefer, Christopher Katzen, Matt Peck, and Joshua Hicks here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Sydney Brown on Lakina McGee. Now, I'll start with you, uh, Chris. Um, do you, do you expect um, AK and Eversley to make any significant moves, your trades, you know, before the trade deadline? Not really. I mean, I think if there's a enticing package out there for that, autos on an expiring deal, uh, I think you look at it if it makes sense. But I don't think you need – the Bulls are right in that spot where – they're kind of like in that AC, then they're also in a position for the play-in tournament. I don't necessarily see them needing to make a move, but I believe if something is there, one will be made. I just can't see anything that's pressing right now. Josh? No, I don't, just because of the fact that even in the beginning of the, of the season, you know, AK and Marcus and Mark Eversley made it known that this is the year, this is like a trial year for everybody on the roster. They, wanted, they want to really evaluate each player and what they can do throughout a whole season then to really make the determination of who stays and who goes heading into next year. So I think being part of that trade deadline will, you know, expedite that price process unless, and I don't, I don't think they really want to make a move unless they know for sure 
someone's not going to be here or this person that's going to be that they're trading is going to benefit the bulls whether it's short term or long term depending on the package so i think they may look at some stuff but i don't expect them to make any moves just because they're probably still evaluating what's what to look forward to when it comes to options that they need to look into for next year rob yeah, and, and on that evaluation year topic, you know, the tea leaves that AK laid when he talked earlier this week were kind of focused on, and Billy has repeated it too, you'd expect a coach to repeat this, but that the focus is kind of on improving the team that's in the building um, and kind of working on on that sort of development that jives with the player development focus mindset that they've preached really since they've gotten here. Um, AK, Mark Eversley, uh, Billy Donovan. Um, and that's the thing about this team when you, and you know, we could, we could get into the rumors about potentially guys that they want to bring in, in terms of buying and trying to get into the playoff race. But in terms of selling off uh, some of these veterans who uh, primarily Thad Young, um, who's just playing at such an unbelievable level right now. The thing about that to me is we're finally in a situation here with the bulls where, you know, the young talent quote unquote on the roster that has been so kind of lauded for their potential is finally developing. And the fact that guys like Thad Young and Garrett Temple um, are playing such a big part in that. It seems like it, as much as you don't want to lose the long view of the franchise in terms of you don't want to miss a chance to get draft assets down the line or things like that. I actually think there's a case that it might be short-sighted to offload those veterans for the long-term draft capital because you could sacrifice time um, to develop the players that are already on the roster. And that could have long-term benefits even beyond the tenure that any of these vets are going to actually be in a Bulls uniform. Um, you know, just the impact that a guy like Thad can have on a Patrick Williams or a Wendell Carter Jr., playing similar positions uh, to both, you know, oscillating between the forward spots and the five, um, the playmaking that he's uh, exhibited this year, um, the ways that he can kind of impart that knowledge down onto them, the way that he's helped Zach kind of make his leap um, with, uh, you know, the playmaking that he's been able to do out of double teams on the short roll and things like that. Um, the numbers with them on the floor together are just outstanding. Um, so, you know, it, there, there's a case to be made, I think, that you would sacrifice a lot by moving those guys. I, I would be shocked if AK and, and Mark Eversley haven't thought through that. And it makes the trade deadline a proposition where I think if I had to predict it, I would bet that they stand relatively pat, as Josh was saying, to kind of continue out this evaluation year to its conclusion. But we'll see. You know, these guys say one thing uh, in, in the media, and, and it could be totally different behind closed doors. They're going to explore every avenue they can. And, Matt, I know this has been a big point of discussion on Hot Mike. Also, you can also listen to Bulls, Bulls Outcast on that channel. Look, I've seen – look, I'm a regular on there. I've seen the sort of the point of contention with you you and Big Dave and John, also, too, some of the folks in the chat, myself included. So what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I, honestly, I, I won't lie. I've been back and forth on whether or not the Bulls should be sellers or stand patters uh, at this deadline in a couple of weeks. My, my earlier thinking was, hey, if you can get a legitimate offer for Thad Young, because, and, you know, Bobby Marks told us in his, you know, uh, trade deadline super column a couple weeks ago, behind Bradley Beal, Thad Young's name is the one that comes up the most across the league among executives of we want that guy for our playoff push. So I, I think, kudos to AK in his comments earlier this week, basically saying, we don't view our players as trade commodities, which to me was sort of like sneaky executive speak for don't come at us with low ball bullshit offers for that. If you want that <laughs> young, you know, show me the money, so to speak, because I, I think there is some, some legitimacy to thinking about long-term approach. If you can set yourself up to be better suited for 22, 23, 24 competitiveness in those years, by getting, say, you know, a first-round pick or, you know, and or uh, a, a nice young player for Thad Young, and then maybe even 
if trading Thad, as we all, I think, would agree, would cause the Bulls to slide down in the standings and maybe even out of the playoffs, coupling what you get for Thad with your own 2021 first-round pick and maybe trying to trade up into the top five and nab one of these really exciting young prospects in the 21 draft class. I see the logic to that. But if AK and Eversley and Donovan all see a greater value in keeping Thad, keeping this team together and seeing if they can make the playoffs and getting that playoff experience for Zach Levine and for some of these other young players, I'd be fine with that too. And the, and the, the, thing, the thing, if I could add to that point, Peck, on um, you know, the, the playoff contention aspect, the fact that these, this roster has bought so much into what Billy Donovan is selling and the front office is selling – I would worry if I was in their shoes and I don't know what they think, but if I was in their shoes, I would worry about having all that goodwill and then potentially, you know, taking a step backwards. If you were to right. integral pieces to that, you have a guy in Zach Levine, who's an unquestioned star at this point, a guy that in my, again, in my personal opinion, I think they should be looking to build around long-term. Mm-hmm. What does that say to him? If he's finally tasting winning for the first time in his career, right. and <laughs> away from him. there's and, so many little underlying factors like that. To it. And I think it matters that the, the piece that we keep talking about the bulls, maybe being able to get a solid return for Thad young is not only Zach's like BFF older brother on the team who was yep. Zach's, you know, vet when he was a rookie in Minnesota, but also the second best player on this roster right now. So if you're talking about keeping, like you said, Rob, Zach Levine, who is the piece you want to build around, happy? Trading Thad away would clearly not make Zach Levine very happy. Exactly. Yeah, speaking of Zach Levine, as Rob uh, brought up just a moment ago, of course, his justice is served to him as he's be- he is now an all-star for the first time in his career. Of course, all-star weekend was here in Chicago last year. He didn't get his just due. We all know, uh, know what happened on first take last year during his interview with Steve Manet and the all-fire guard packs thing. But this year is a far a different story. He's grown not only on the court, but off the court looking to take that leadership role, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Josh, I'll start with you. Zach Levine, uh, the Bulls, uh, as Rob said, should build around here. How proud of you of Mr. Zach Levine so far this season? I'm proud because of two reasons. One, he's finally getting the the true justice he deserves. I Mm -hmm. felt like he should have been an all-star last year. He got snubbed. Um, And the fact that he's getting it now, you know, he's getting getting his flowers while he's starting to hit his prime in the league. But I'm also proud because of the fact that this actually gives the Bulls hope moving forward, not just because they have someone that's a solid foundation to move forward with, but you're talking about a new front office with a new regime where teams are openly paying attention to Zach Levine and what this Bulls front office moving forward is going to look like. You may get me able to meet, you increase your chances of getting top tier talent to the city now. And within the next, with next year being a, a supposedly a pretty decent free agent class from a star perspective, and then years to use moving on, you never know what the Bulls can do. They have the coaching staff, they have the new front office now that's very respected across the league. You have an all star now that superstars can want to may want to come and play with. If, I, if I'm Zach Levine, this is more than just a, a um, you know a vacation for me. This is the business trip. I'm trying to talk and see who else is going to be out there. And see what they see if they're willing to come to my city next year because auto like we mentioned earlier auto porters contracts off the books you only yeah and you, depending on what they do with that young you can you may get that that money off the table too so you never I I, I found Zach Levine I'm really taking this as in who can I potentially see myself pairing up with moving forward past this season especially since it's known now that the Bulls have no really have to really want him to be that long term piece. 
I'll take I would take that type of approach if I was Zach Levine, but it gives hope for the front, it gives hope for the Bulls moving forward. Rob? Chris? Oh, oh sorry. No, oh. Chris, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> oh I've, I've been a, yeah, I've been impressed with Zach. I mean, this is just like the next progression for him. I mean, he was kind of doing this a little bit last year. I don't I still don't think, you know, he was all-star worthy last year. I I never felt like he was actually snubbed just with the way the Bulls were playing overall. Uh, but this year, it's just like the next progression. I mean, assists are up, uh, rebounding is up, and just some of the little things that I've been able to see in terms of the leadership style, that's actually grown. I've been very impressed with that. But, you know, it's great for him to be recognized, you know, as an all-star, one of the best players in this league. He is. Uh, what that does as far as attracting top talent here remains to be seen because I do think the Bulls have probably about two or three years before free agents can now look at them and see like a pattern now, as opposed to like how things been done the last two decades, there has to be like a, a, like a large shift. And there has to be like at least a couple of years where free agents can see, all right, I kind of like what they're doing. I want to go over there and be part of that. I don't think that comes, you know, within a year of seeing that. So, but I mean, it's good for Zach to be, be an all-star in this league. Rob. Yeah, that, that cultural aspect to your point, Chris, definitely takes more than a year to lay down. And this really is kind of year one. I know for yeah. fans, and really it is functionally the fourth year of this rebuild, but with the new leadership and the new coach and everything like that, it really kind of is square one right now. It's, it's kind of a weird straddling act. Um, so I agree with that. I also agree that I don't necessarily think Zach was snubbed last season just because the, the, the field was so crowded. The Bulls um, had completely underwhelmed record-wise relative to what were pretty high preseason expectations um, last year. But this year, just a, a completely unbelievable leap to be averaging almost 29 a game on, you know, 52% from the floor and 43% from three. I mean, uh, 68% on the rim and he's at, at the rim and he's attempting um, the most shots at the rim uh, per game among guards. I mean, the dude just doesn't have a weakness as a scorer. Um, he's been absolutely unstoppable. It's been, it's been really fun to watch, I will say. And, and, the, th and the difference this year, one, the leadership aspect that you guys have touched on talking to uh, players, the through line is that he's been, you know, taken on more of that singular one-track mind winning mentality and trying to translate that as a veteran voice. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to think about, but this is his seventh year in the league. Like, he's absolutely yep. a vet in the context of this young roster at this point. Um, and then the other difference is just it's, it's happening in that team context, which is something AK said at the beginning of the season um, coming into the year was, you know, Zach is a tremendous, fantastic individual talent, which no one could really have disagreed with at almost any point in his career. What he wanted to see in terms of a next step, was it contributing to winning and impacting winning? And I think it has, again, relative to the Bulls past couple of years, he's clearly driving, um, you know, uh, the, the improvements to their offense, which is now around a league average offensive rating after being bottom two, bottom three for the last two or three years. Um, so he certainly had an impact on that. Uh, the subtleties of his playmaking improvements and the defense um, I think I've only uh, raised his level even further. And I still think like he turns 26 next week. I still think the best is in front of him, uh, which is a pretty amazing thing to say. And that's what I think feeds into, you know, my own personal opinion that as a long-term piece, he's really cemented himself as someone that the Bulls have to look um, seriously uh, at in terms of that. But it's, it's a great honor for him. It certainly means a lot to him and his family. And, um, you know, as much as the, uh, the, the topic of actually having the all-star game was a bit of a, a polarizing one, um, he seems to be kind of grateful for the opportunity to go down there and it'll be a fun exhibition. I actually weirdly found myself getting excited watching the all-star draft last night. Um, just, you know, you just, you just forget it, maybe it's just the memories of it being in Chicago last year. That was just such an exciting time. And, and, you know, things felt a little bit more normal back then. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be an exciting opportunity for him. I think he's excited to do it. We'll see how he does in the three-point contest, another star-studded <laughs> affair. Um, but it, it's certainly a, a good thing for the stature of the Bulls organization long-term, even if it's not going to translate this year. Yeah, I mean, really quick to, to tack onto that, Rob. I mean, how crazy is it that just in a year's time, yes, Zach Levine was like doing national TV interviews and, you know, the entire NBA media center upon Chicago, but you have basically people just mocking how dilapidated and dysfunctional the organization is in Chicago. It's like, oh, hey, All-Star Weekend in Chicago, first time since the late 80s. Fire Gar Pax chance on national television. Your team sucks. This is embarrassing. And watching the all-star you know captains make their selections last night fast forward a year you got you know Kevin Durant saying I'm really stoked about this pick like Zach and and LeBron James saying like yeah that that dude is mean that dude can ball we have an actual all-star it's a shame that all this happened a year ago when it was in Chicago but there is no denying that Zach Levine and by proxy the rest of this organization have so much more cred around the league than they did a year ago all right, let's talk about the whole NBA as a whole for a second, you guys. Um, which which teams have kind of you know surprised you? What team? Which teams have disappointed you so far this season? Rob, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, surprise is a good question. Uh, I guess the Jazz, not because I necessarily thought they weren't going to be a good team, but for them to be like almost as historically dominant as they've been to this point in the season, um, hard not to think of them as legitimate. Title contenders, although I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not doing the LeBron regular season thing again. You know, you got to see you got to see him get unseated uh, to believe it at this point. So I guess they've been a mild surprise to me just because of the level to which um, they have been great. Uh, the Knicks, I would count as a surprise. I mean, we all, I mean, we all know Tibbs going in there. He's gonna push for the playoffs. He's gonna spearhead market improvements there. But for them to be a pub 500 right now. And really as fun of a watch as they are, like, it's kind of fun when you pick up those league pass teams on the side. I'm obviously watching and I'm at some Bulls games, but, you know, them, the Hornets, um, obviously the Nets with, you know, the, the collection of talent they brought together have been uh, fun kind of surprises. Um, in the negative side, I'll do this one quickly. Just I think Atlanta, for all the free agent additions that they brought in, have been a surprise in a negative way. And obviously they go on to, to fire Lloyd Pierce a couple days ago. Um, I mean, it's been yeah. a health thing for them with DeAndre Hunter going down. Bogdanovich has barely played. Gallinari. You know, hasn't looked himself, but Bulls legend Chris Dunn hasn't gotten out there at all yet. I mean, that's gonna, hurt, that's gonna hurt your team. <laughs> your you're playing both of all time. Go ahead. How, fu how funny if they see him in the playing round, man. That'd be oh, crazy. God. Uh, <laughs> they, they've been a slightly negative surprise, but it's been such a weird year. I mean, you could almost say any team has had a, you know, a stretch of wildly good or bad basketball. Um, it's just been so, so weird from a results standpoint, but those are the three that spring to mind immediately. Matt. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as pleasant surprise or unexpected surprise, I would put Phoenix on that list too. I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised because the recent evidence points to anywhere CP3 goes, he immediately somehow makes that team way better than people think they're going to be. He did it with the OKC last year. People thought that good for them. They got a good, you know, a gajillion picks um, when, when Russ and, and Paul George left, but CP3 was basically just going to be, you know, the vet leader on a team going nowhere. And they, they were the middle seed in the Western <laughs> conference for crying out loud. But, you know, I think even still some of the other fringe things uh, in Phoenix, like, I think Jay Crowder was like a low-key solid signing. When Jay Crowder's playing well, there is not a more confident player in the NBA. That dude's crazy. Um, yeah, and, and, and Bridges continuing oh, yeah. to make positive steps. Uh, you know, Etwan Moore, another one of my old favorites from, you know, back in the, the, the Bulls <laughs> mid-teen years. Uh, oh just a really, a really solid roster, man. So, so kudos to Phoenix. Um, and then, honestly – 
I I didn't see Philly being this good. I I have never been a, a believer in I've never I have never trusted that process when it comes to Embiid and Simmons. To me, it's always about the playoffs, and they always come up small in the playoffs. They couldn't even get it done, you know, with uh, with Jimmy as the third star. You know, they, they came close, but I, I mean, what what can you say about Embiid and the season he's having that hasn't been said already? I've always been a doubter in that dude, but he is proving a lot of doubters wrong this season, and they look like the team to beat in the East right now, and I didn't necessarily see that coming. Chris? Yeah, I will go with definitely uh, Utah, Phoenix, uh, just what they've been able to do so far. Um, if I had to pick anybody in the East, that's not anybody um, like who we're paying to from like a national standpoint. The Charlotte Hornets, like the Charlotte Hornets have actually been very fun to watch with uh, LaMelo Ball controlling the show out there. I've actually enjoyed seeing him, uh, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, uh, just how even uh, Terry Rozier, just how they're uh, – you know, coming together and like playing a very good style of ball. I've actually been surprised that um, LaMelo is kind of like early in, early on in the season, a lot of turnovers, but he's just one of those players that you just pretty much have to give him like a long leash. Like you can't really reel him in. You, you have to let him go out there and play. It's been very fun watching them in terms of um, like, I would say, Surprises on the bad side, Atlanta definitely, just with all the injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, the Western Conference, I would go over to Dallas, been a little bit, got off to a slow slow start there. Um, another surprise that um, the Portland Trailblazers, from a positive standpoint, just because it seems like every year they just have the injury bug hit them at like the worst time, and, you know, Dame Lillard just keeps on ticking, and I believe he should be definitely considered, like, at least in that top four MVP conversation just because the way he's able to still hold that team together year after year with injuries to pivotal players like, yeah, um, Nurkic, C.J. McCollum's out this year, both of them out actually again this year. But, I mean, I think they're right there in that mid four or five section right there in the West. So, uh Definitely, they've been one of the pleasant surprises to me this year. Josh? Yeah, you guys mentioned all the teams from a surprising standpoint for me, you know, the Utah Jazz. With, me, with the Utah Jazz being the number one for me, um, with what they're doing, Donovan Mitchell is just taking this leadership role to another level with Quinn Snyder, and they just really came together and really took this team by storm, winning the way that they have. But I, if you want to talk about a negative perspective, I, for me personally, just I, I would go with the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat just because in the past couple of years, you're talking about two um, two teams that were either in the NBA Finals or won NBA championships, and they just took drastic uh, falls this year to where they're barely surviving for a playoff uh, for, for the playoffs right now. Currently sitting, I think, seventh and eighth in the East. Um, so I think those two, those two teams for sure was what really stuck out to me considering, you know, they still have championship type of talent on their rosters and they just haven't performed at the highest level that the highest level that we know that they have, especially when you're talking about the Miami heat that, you know, was the surprise team that went to the NBA finals in the bubble. So those are the two surprises for me, but there's a lot of great teams that I just, that, you know, that really took some, took some turns in the positive realm. And, you know, with this buyout coming up, trade deadline coming up, some of those teams that we just mentioned, maybe looking to make some additional moves to set themselves up for the playoffs. So that'll be interesting to see moving forward. 
You're, you're listening to our Bulls NBA Roundtable special here on Second City Sports, along with Lakita McGee, which is she. I am Sidney Brown, which is me. Joining our panel is Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago, Christopher Casey from According to Sources Podcast and Forbes Magazine, Matt Pett from Locked on Bulls, and Josh, Joshua M. Hicks from War Media. Guys, let's bring up the MVP conversation. Chris, you just mentioned a moment ago about Damian Lillard should be considered the, the top three, top four candidates for MVP. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Chris. Who's your top three candidates from, for MVP this year through the first half of the season? Uh, definitely got to put Joel Embiid up there. Um, Joel Embiid, trying to think. Um, I'll say Chris Paul has to be, as Chris Paul has to be in there to me. Uh, got to give the Jazz some, some love. Donovan Mitchell, and I would say Damian Lillard just to round it out, just for me. Josh? I'll have to say probably Joel Embiid, um, Damian Lillard, you got to put Dame Dial in there. Um, and I like how Chris mentioned Chris Paul. Chris Paul definitely deserves a lot of credit, too, um, for what he's doing in Phoenix. And I would still personally just still put LeBron in there because he's keeping L.A. afloat and putting up the numbers that he's putting in there. You know, you never can count out LeBron in any game. And for them, even though they're struggling right now without Anthony Davis, they're still putting, you know, they're still coasting as a top three seed in the West. So um, those are are for sure my options I would consider. Rob? Yeah, for me, the the top five, and I I don't know if I have an exact order. I think I'd probably have Joel Embiid as the front runner at this point for how, you know, the team success Philly has had leading the East and just the, the absolute dominance that he um, has put on display night in, night out. And it, it's a complete growth area for him as someone who's kind of, you know, been in and out with injuries and, and phased in and out engagement-wise, conditioning-wise. He's just been a revelation. Um, to round out that top five, though, again, no order. I definitely would have LeBron in there. Um, obviously, they've taken a half step back with AD out, and that's probably going to hurt his case um, in the long term if he's out much longer. Uh, but the numbers he's putting up, the Lakers, the way they came out of the gate to start the season, um, you definitely can't count him out. Um, I'd put Dame in there too, just for how injury decimated they've been. Uh, the, his numbers in clutch time are just absolutely unbelievable. Like he's the most inevitable player at the end of a game. The, the Bulls fans saw that up close. Um, it just, that's one of the more unbelievable finishes of the season too. Still hurts. That one still hurts, dude. Yeah, I can't imagine, man. I, I, I was actually at that game and it was easily the most eerie that a fanless game has been. Yeah. He hits that shot and it's the most spooky. I mean, like you just, you just, just, you just can't even picture a more <laughs> wild ending than that. And then within 15 seconds, everybody's off the court and no sound at all. Like, it's it just crazy. So I, I put him in there for sure uh, on the strength of that. Um, I have Nikola Jokic in there. I think Denver. Thank Kyle you. Is this the first time his name has been brought up? My yeah. God. Yes. They yes, got to climb so. a little bit more in the standings, I think, for yeah. him to break through. Yeah. Um, that's why. But. Maybe my favorite player in the NBA to watch. Um, you know, Bulls fans got that up close too. And. Um, he, he's just been incredible all season has been the total center of everything that they do, um, on the offensive end of the floor, especially. So he's, he's been incredible. And then my fifth man, I, I know they've slipped a little bit and he didn't play last night because the last game before the all-star break, but Steph Curry, man, I mean, the numbers are pretty similar to that 2015, 16 unanimous MVP season. And obviously, you know, things within the league shift context changes, um, their record is not up to a point where he could be seriously considered for the top spot necessarily. Um, but they're a team that I watch a lot of because West coast, you know, after Bulls games, they're all, they're usually on. Um, and mm-hmm. he's just doing his thing, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to see him not slip off at all after, you know, being in and out of the lineup last year, obviously. 
they're 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 having um, I think pretty strong success relatively, and maybe they can come out of the gate strong in the in the second half here. Again, team record probably got to be a little bit a little bit better, but um, for the roster context there, for them to be doing what they're doing, and for Steph to be carrying the load that he's carrying, um, I would put him up there in that conversation too with uh, with those guys. And Matt. Yeah, I mean, I basically uh, consensus agreement with all the names that have already been mentioned. So uh, I'll just make a couple of points. When it comes to the Lakers guys, I mean, to me, they cancel each other out. Um, like if, if AD didn't come back after the all-star break and LeBron without AD led the Lakers to a top two seed, then yeah, you could talk about LeBron being the MVP. But I'm sorry, you can't be the MVP when your teammate is also a top five player in the league. You'd like cancel, done. Over. Neither of you are MVP. The light in his eyes when he gets to, to denigrate LeBron. I love yeah, it. Anytime I, I, I got, you know, any chance I get to, to knock LeBron down a peg or two. I'm, I'm sorry, you can't be the MVP if your teammate is Anthony Davis. Just no. You've been, no. You've been that in since the first Miami. Yes, he has. I can, he I has. Tell, he I can has. consistent on this. Yeah, but. but and, uh, and then also to just give a little bit of extra love to Jokic um, to piggyback uh, Rob there. I mean, yes, Denver's only what, I think they're the sixth seed right now, but they're only two and a half games out of a top three seed. So depending on how the second half of the season shakes out, if Denver ends up with a top three or four seed and Jokic continues to, I mean, 27, 11 and eight and a half, he's got a PR above 31 right now. The dude is ridiculous. Like Rob said, I, I just love watching the guy play, except for the other day when he did it to our Bulls, and I was just like in the fetal position crying, like, please make it stop. Please make it stop. Because you could not stop that dude. He had damn near 20 points in the fourth quarter because they were just like, oh, give it to Jokic. Oh, give it to Jokic. And Wendell was like, ah. Thad was like, ah. I mean, what do you, do? <laughs> you You can't stop that dude. So, I mean – I would have Jokic definitely in my top three right now, but also a quick shout out to Dane. Yeah, the, the, the dude's crazy. The fact that he has that team where they are without their other two best players is nuts. I think, yeah, I think LeBron should be considered in that group. But what about, what about, uh, what about Luca? I haven't heard done here. Anybody say anything about Luca? Dallas got off to such a hard, rocky start. It's like, there's, and he was shooting the ball so poorly for the first stretch of the season. He's got a long way to come back from that. Oh, can, can I ask a question to the group? Because I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. Go ahead. Is James, is James Harden disqualified from this conversation? Because I think statistically and based on the way the Nets have played lately with uh, KD and Kyrie in and out of the lineup, would you consider him for a spot in the top five or even for the top spot despite the way that things went down in Houston at the beginning of the season? Because for me – you're talking about season-long MVP. I have a hard time getting past that, the kind of forcing your way out of a, out of a stop. Yeah. You're going to be the most valuable player for a full season. It's tough for me. But I've been seeing people put him at the top of this conversation recently. And yeah. I've been kind of scratching my head over it. I'm curious what you guys think of that. Um, I'll go first. I, I, I think, like, like you guys said, I mean, the fact that he kind of, you know, pitched a fit, you know, like the first month and a half of the season to get him out of Houston and – and the you know, fact that he didn't play well even before then, that's probably going to be what's going to keep him from getting the MVP discussion. If he does well in the second half, then yeah. But I think right now, no. I think James Harden's on the outside looking in. He had, definitely has the numbers to back it up because he's been the only guy of the big three that, that's been the healthiest. But we got to see how he works with Durant and Kyrie as soon as both those guys get back and playing on a consistent basis following his all-star break. 
Yeah, I, I mean, d- disqualified parentheses douchebag. That's basically all I have for Harden this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think just with the way he forced his way out of Houston, like, yeah, there's no way you could. Uh, the numbers are impressive. I mean, and the way that he's just embraced this facilitator role with Brooklyn has been impressive to me. But I just think with the firepower the team have, who was already over there, I don't think he like he'll get consideration. But I don't think you know he'll crack like the top three at all. Josh, the league was run by narratives. That they didn't like that narrative that he did with you know with what he did in Houston. So I doubt they'll consider it. Okay, so what about um, coach of the year so far? Who's done a great coaching job in in your opinion? Matt, I'll start with you. I mean, I honestly, as chaotic as the assembly of the pieces uh, was, and given the fact that he is a first-time head coach, I did not think that Steve Nash would be juggling things this well. Um, And and certainly he's got help, a lot of uh, experience, uh, you know, down the end of his bench with his assistants on his staff. But I, I mean, there, there's a candidate right there. Um, you might also have to talk about doc because, you know, this is a, a similar Philly team um, as far as their, their main pieces with, with Embiid Simmons, you know, Tobias Harris, you know, the, the third wheel there. Um, and, and the fact that they look way more prepared and legitimate um, than they ever did out of Bruce Brown. So those two teams in the East. And then, I mean, you have to talk about Quinn Snyder, right? Like, holy crap, the jazz. You can't <laughs> not m- mention Quinn Snyder in coach of the year talk right now. Chris. Uh, yeah, I would say definitely Quinn Snyder. Uh, Doc definitely deserves some consideration. Uh, Monty Williams though, to me is like what Phoenix yeah. has been the last 10 years before this year. And just, you saw what those guys were able to do in the bubble uh, last season, going 8 0, just missing the playoffs. And you look at how they started out this year. I think he's just brought like a calming presence to that team. And I think he's uh, like outside of Devin Booker, he's the main reason that Chris Paul wanted to go to Phoenix. And what they've been able to do so far this season has been impressive. So, yeah, I think Monty Williams like would be like 1A to me. Quinn Snyder would be like the one to me. Josh? I like all those options, and they all will probably get consideration. But just because of the fact that, you know, the league has been waiting for the Knicks to get back for so long, they're going to consider Tibbs in there, too. And um, Stay up! Stay up! Tibbs <laughs> is going to get a little bit of consideration as well. And, I mean, you got to give it to them. The Knicks are currently, I want to say, fifth in the East right now. Julius Randle's an all-star. And they have a young team that's on the rise. So, it, they, and they're making noise. So, therefore... I, I think Tibbs going to get some coaching consideration as well. And Rob. Yeah, for me, the top three is Quinn Snyder, for sure, would be my front runner. They, the Jazz just play beautiful basketball and are, are totally dominating the league. Um, I put Monty Williams probably number two, uh, if not pretty close to that, um, for all the reasons you said, Chris. And I'm just so happy for that guy. By all accounts, is one of the best dudes in the league and um, has them playing at, at another level. Um, they're one of the more fun watches in the league as well. Um, I'd put Doc up there, as you guys have said. Uh, Tibbs, I was gonna, I was getting ready, you know, to say that he's kind of poking his head in there a little bit. We'll see how the second half uh, breaks out for them. Um, you know, and I, I think Billy Donovan is kind of on the fringes, maybe a little bit on the outside of this conversation. The Bulls would probably have to uh, really tear it up in the second half of the season for him to break in. Um, the only other dude I'd shout out, just to be 18 and 14 and in the seventh seed of the West and kind of jockeying for a position there, um, what the Spurs have done this year and some of the young emerging players that they have, uh, Pop is one of those dudes. It's like the Belichick thing <laughs> in the NFL where 
the best coach in the league isn't necessarily always going to win coach of the year because it's always the new trendy team or the team that breaks out. Uh, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people had questions about Pop after the postseason streak gets snapped. How much longer yep. is he going to be yeah. around in the league? And uh, they've been a total revelation, um, you know, without really that kind of lauded, you know, consensus superstar piece um, in terms of uh, a drafted guy. They've got a lot of dudes breaking out. Uh, DeMar DeRozan, a, a resurgent season for him. So I'd put, I'd put Pop in there probably around that, you know, four to five spot, maybe a spot ahead of Billy. Um, but, you know, this is always one of the more crowded award ballots of the year um, and deservingly so. Uh, Sid, what do you think? Uh, as Rob said, I agree with him. We didn't bring up San Antonio just yet. I was going to bring them up as one of my surprise teams. We didn't expect this from them this year. I expected them to be 14 and 18, but you, like you said, DeMar DeRozan, some people thought that he was an all-star snub. He's having a good year. You still have LaMarcus Aldridge. You still have Rudy Gay for some reason. He's still hanging around for some, some reason, <laughs> but you still have Patty Mills from their championship teams from, from uh, several years ago. So I like the way the team is playing. We talked about them, Lakina, for the past couple of weeks, so yeah. give them props. But I like Monty Williams, as Christopher Casey said. And I know he tragically lost his wife in a horrible car accident a few years ago. And it's been taking a, a couple of years for that situation in Phoenix to turn around. But I really like the job what um, Mr. Williams is doing down there in Phoenix this year. Yeah, I agree. I like Monty Williams. I like what Quinn Snyder is doing with, in Utah. Um, Doc, of course. You know, Pop, I would say Pop, too. And also Tibbs, I think, probably would be – up there so we're peeking in her and I think Rob like you said I think that the Bulls got to tear it up in the second half to for Donovan to have some type of consideration all right we're heading down the whole stretch with our round uh round table here on second city sports zoom style Rob Schaefer Matt Peck Christopher Kaysen and Joshua M Hicks are all joining us guys uh it's all-star weekend from Atlanta, Georgia, the game will take place on Sunday. Of course, when the schedule came out back in December, there weren't supposed to be an all-star game this year due to the pandemic. We're slowly coming out of it now, but there's going to be an all-star game this year. There's no um, um, rookie game this year, but you'll have the three-point shootout, which Chicago Bulls star Zach Levine will be a participant, and you'll have the skills challenge before the game, and then during halftime, you'll have the slam dunk contest. Rob, I'll start with you. Are you looking forward to All-Star Weekend this year? I am. Um, you know, I've, I've been conflicted, really, just on the nature of this entire season in general, playing in a pandemic and especially not in a bubble. Um, you know, it, it's clearly just taxing um, physically because the games are coming, you know, hard and fast. I, the Bulls have 37 and 66 days in the second half of the season. So there's been a lot of kind of weird, um, you know, things to grapple with from that perspective. And the All-Star Game is no different because it is an exhibition um, it is going to involve a lot of players um, kind of converging in one place and during a pandemic, you know. Um, but, you know, the closer we get to it, it, it seems like players are kind of rallied around the idea. Every time we, we talk to Zach about it, that's, you know, the, uh, you know, in terms of me covering the Bulls up close, he's talked about being excited to, to go check it out. Um, I think it'll be a fun kind of exhibition to crowd around the TV and watch. Um, fun that it's all happening in one night, you know, the mm -hmm. three-point contest, the dunk contest. I think it's probably the least star-studded dunk contest in, in history, but – um, it, it'll still be a fun watch. I think, uh, Cassius Stanley is someone that I'm looking at hard, um, in that, cause I, that, the things that that Duke could do, I don't know if he's had an opportunity to fully display it in Indiana, uh, but at Duke, he certainly did. And, and, uh, I'll be looking forward to see what he does. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it'll be interesting to see the Elam ending again this year. I mean, that was such a fun wrinkle last year and really got guys, um, competing, um, in a way that you don't normally see in all-star games. So, 
uh, I, I think it'll be a fun, you know, event to track. It won't be the same as in past years, but it should, it should still be a fun um, thing to kind of gather around and watch. Josh? I mean, I'll be looking forward to the All-Star game perspective and the three-point shootout. I think that's going to be the most competitive components of the whole weekend. Um, so I'm definitely going to be looking forward to that. I just, I'm just upset that, you know, I, went, I, was, I was able to participate in some festivities last year in Chicago. So I got to get the whole experience of it. I won't be able to do that this year in Atlanta. I can't get a taste of Lil Williams' wings. I can't get <laughs> I can't do none of that this year. So it's like all the fun is gone for the most part. But <laughs> yeah, the mayor told you stay out her city. <laughs> yeah, get out, get out, stay out. <laughs> right. So I mean, I'll be able to. I'll, I'll be unfortunately missing those things. But at the end of the day, I will. I am looking forward to the All Star Game, especially. I really am want to see what Zach Levine is going to do. And his first, and his, you know, it's his first real go around. And this is the second chance in the three-point shootout as well. So I want to see if there's any improvement from that. But I saw, yeah, but outside of that, I'll be sitting there dreaming about the wings that Lou Williams craved so much that he had to get the ball. <laughs> I'll be sitting there, I'll be sitting there reminiscing on that and just wondering how good they were because I unfortunately can't have them this year. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, the first thing that I was going to mention was Cassius Stanley in the dunk contest. Rob beat me to it. I mean, I know that people were kind of underwhelmed. Zion opted out. Uh, you know, Zach did that awesome, like, bounce through the legs dunk just, like, in the pregame layup line the other night. And we're like, well, you know what? Zach, two-time champ, back-to-back champ, he does not have to answer to anyone's BS about, oh, why, why don't you do it again? He's, he's, he's moved beyond that. Um, I am really stoked not only to see if Zach can win the three-point contest this time around, but just that entire field is stacked. And I'm really happy that Steph is doing it. It's really cool for a league MVP and someone as elite and, like, on his own level as Steph Curry to be, like, after a year where he dealt with injuries and the Warriors just had this, like, impromptu tank season, Steph's like, I'm all the way back. And hell yeah, I'm going to do the three-point contest, and I'm going to rake all y'all. Like, I can't wait to see Steph just go off. And I also am really happy that Zach ended up um, on, on Durant's team, a.k.a. not on LeBron's team. So I can root for Zach's team to win and LeBron's team to lose <laughs> at the same time. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, even though I think a lot of players had trepidation just before um, everything, I think everybody's excited just to, you know, get away from, you know, well, there'll still be like protocols in place, but to at least get around like other other guys, you know, other top guys and conversate and things like that. It's a little bit of a break from just like the monotony of the season and dealing with all of these different things of players in and out of the lineup. So I'm looking forward to just seeing, you know, how guys respond uh, once they down there and, you know, huge, uh, it's going to be huge responsibility for NBA team security, just to uh, make sure there's no unwelcome guests, you know, in and out of the hotel for that day. But um, other than that, I'm very excited just to see how everything will be consolidated in just this one night. All right. All right, guys. So what you guys are expecting, you know, you know, in the second half of the season, Bulls have a very tough schedule. The NBA as a whole, it's going to be very exciting. So um, Josh, I'll start with you. What are you, what are your kind of like your observations for the second half coming up in the NBA? I'm looking forward to who gets bought out, who gets traded and where they go. Um, just because this buyout season is going to be pretty impactful. We just found out uh, so today, Blake Griffin, 
just got bought where Andre Drummond, if he gets bought out or, or where they go, because these playoff contenders are trying to bolster their final rosters to make that playoff push. So that's what I'm look. That's what I'm really going to be looking forward to to most. And also see how the Bulls respond because the Bulls have, I think, one of the top five toughest schedules in the league in the second half, I believe. Um, so I want to see how they respond coming off this trajectory, um, you know, format that they've been doing within the first season. Rob. Yeah, the, the Bulls aspect will be interesting because they do have a tough slate uh, down the stretch here, and not only for the frequency of games, but, but like you said, Josh, the difficulty of opponents. I mean, their first three games out of the break happen in four nights, and, and it's oh. against Philly, Miami, and Toronto. Um, and as much as Miami and Toronto have underwhelmed overall, you know, now that they're getting healthy, Miami at least, both of them kind of seem to be showing signs of life here. So I think that'll be an interesting barometer right there. Um, yeah, for the Bulls specifically, it'll be a test of, kind of all these little improvement areas that, you know, fans want to see them and Billy Donovan and, and they want to see themselves improve on in the second half, closing out close games, beating good teams. Um, as much as they've notched a few more quality wins, I think this season than they did last, um, they still don't have a great record. I think they're four and 12 against teams that are at or above 500 at the time of playing. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. There's going to be a lot of opportunities to correct that. There's also going to be a lot of opportunities for that to be exacerbated. Um, and then on a league wide basis, it just, everything is so clumped in both conferences in terms of the standings. Yeah. I think yeah. the way those play-ins shake out is just going to be so interesting. And I actually think it was a nice wrinkle in the bubble last year um, that they had uh, the, the play-in games. I thought they were fun to watch. And it'll be interesting to see because, you know, it could end up being a fringe, you know, two fringe playoff teams that maybe you expect to be fighting for their playoff lives. It could also be a team like, you know, the Mavericks, who everyone thought was going to break out this year, or a team like the Celtics, who have uh, underwhelmed. Um, like, if those teams that have been so highly lauded are in a situation where it's win or go home, um, it's going to add, I, I think, a real, um, a real element of tension and excitement um, to that kind of format wrinkle. So I'll be interested to see how the standings, without all the teams so close together, um, eventually break out because uh, it really could go in any direction right now. Matt? Yeah, I, I agree with Robin that one of the things I'm most excited about just from a league-wide perspective in the second half is that especially, you know, we'll, we'll see what Anthony Davis looks like coming out of the all-star break. But if Anthony Davis is not hundred percent or needs to miss more time, uh, you know, and, and the Lakers don't look like the clear, you know, be all end all defending champion favorites. I think it is entirely wide open this year. It's a weird year. We all knew it was going to be a weird year with not the bubble and COVID and, and teams dealing with roster shortages and all that. Um, I, I think it truly is just a completely wide open race right now, which is always exciting as opposed to like, you know, the Warriors years where you're like, all right, well, we all know what's going to happen. Um, for the Bulls, uh, again, uh, the, the schedule. Like, it, I, I love the enthusiasm that has returned to this fan base. And even I, who am kind of known as a, as a skeptic and a cynic, have been enjoying watching them more and feel more optimistic about being a Bulls fan than I have in five years. But – like everybody needs to temper their expectations for the second half of the season. Rob mentioned the brutal schedule. I think Bulls fans like saw that for a day there a week ago, they were like, Oh my God, we're all the way up to the sixth seed. This is cool. This is fun. This, this is like not familiar, but I, like I, I I'm thinking it's possible. And I would honestly set it as a goal for them to make it somewhere in that seven through 10 range. But I'm seeing a lot of talk around Bulls Twitter and Bulls fans who are, you know, closer to the whole delusional side of things that are like, we could be like the fourth seed. We could be the fifth seed. And I'm like, y'all, <laughs> look at the schedule. <laughs> Top four seed ain't happening. Fifth or sixth seed ain't happening. If you make it seven through ten and get to do that play-in thingy, great. Good job, Bulls. 
But Bulls fans who are talking about this, like we're gonna we're gonna finish, you know, several games above five hundred. Guys, come on, come on, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Yeah, like Rob said, I think just seeing how, like, those teams just that are at the bottom of the pack, I mean, we actually could uh, see, like, a team, like, in the West that may give one of those, like, those first two teams, like, some issues in the uh, first round. Same thing with the uh, Eastern Conference. Uh, it's going to be interesting, uh, like, just how things play now, who separates themselves, like, who goes on the run, like, what guys get healthy. Uh, from the Bulls standpoint, I'm excited to see what happened when Laurie gets back, how that changes things. Um, he, he's a guy who they couldn't come to a, an agreement with a contract extension uh, this offseason. So how, how he comes back and how he fits in now with the way this team has been playing, I'm very curious to see that. But I'm looking forward to continuing to watch Bulls basketball, and there's no way in hell I would have thought I would be saying that uh, <laughs> like this time last year. All right. On that note, our Bulls NBA Roundtable uh, All-Star panel is, has come to a close. We'd like to thank once again Mr. Rob Schaefer from NBC Sports Chicago, Christopher Kaysen from According to Sources, the number two sources podcast and Forbes magazine, Matt Pett from Locked on Bulls podcast, and our guy from WeAreRegalRadio.com, a.k.a. Warp Media, our senior columnist, Mr. Joshua M. Hicks. Thank you to one and all. Keep up the great work. Enjoy the second half of the season. We'll talk to you guys again once the playoffs uh, start. Hopefully the Bulls can participate in it somehow. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, all right, guys, all the same. You too. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Yes, yes. Guys, for this past hour, we always say we are unapologetically fun. If, if that wasn't a pure example, then damn it, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> we, look, we knew what we were expecting when we had these guys on, and hopefully we'll have them on mm -hmm. for our RBA playoff preview show. This is a whole lot of fun, and it went by quick, too. My goodness. <laughs> yes, uh, time flies by. We having fun. Absolutely. So on that note, you follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena Score McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can go to our website, as I mentioned, weareregalradio.com. That's W E A R E R E G A L radio.com. And you can follow We Are Regal Radio on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at War Media. Once again, at W A R R Media. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War on Anchor. Search for it on, on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Just type in a search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on the YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing as you have been for this past hour. In advance, thank you very much for your support as we... Blow kisses to you from the crowd. And we take our bows. Like, share, subscribe, yes. and tell your friends. So, all right, yes. guys, enjoy all the games this, week, this weekend. Enjoy the NBA All-Star Festivities this weekend. Hopefully everything goes off without a hit. So, and also enjoy the nice weather we got coming up here in Chicago and in the region. So, first said, I'm Lakia. This is Second City Sports Zoom style. You guys keep your hands washed, wear your masks, stay your distance, stay safe, and we'll see you next week. Till next time, holla!